What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Barbells and Trails podcast, episode 18 this week. We're back with another episode, and this one is all about Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life. Uh, I've been reading it about all week this week. Just actually finished the last like hour I had today. And it was it was quite an amazing book, so we'll, we'll kind of be going through that today. But um, yeah, thank you, thank you guys for the support. I've been trying to post a little more on Instagram, trying to figure stuff out. I've been ordering some stuff for the studio, just giving you guys a quick update. I'm starting to get some of the just equipment and like mic stands and and a bunch of the little stuff I need to kind of put everything together. I'm hoping to um, kind of move move the PC and start working on that and pl- put it all together next week, we, next weekend. But it's been going well. I know the last episode was a little uh, jumbled, I feel like. It was just a lot of random stuff. You can tell I was struggling. I am considering hopefully getting uh, someone on as a a possible co-host so because uh, I'm realizing it is it is a challenge to try doing this with one person not necessarily the research and kind of like doing this stuff for the podcast necessarily itself but more in the sense of recording the podcast it does make it more challenging just because you don't have someone to bounce off of and I've talked to several people about it and I know personally and in um in conversations i have with people we get into some like really good topics and rants and stuff like that because you can kind of build and lead off of someone else which when doing a podcast on your own you don't necessarily have that so trying to provide the best i can at the moment for you guys because i mean with it being just me um I can only do so much so it is hard to try bouncing off of and keeping myself in line I know you guys have probably noticed there's times where I definitely am a little lost just because in the sense of how to kind of keep things moving and rolling um, without making it too uh, non-entertaining or just trying to keep the ball rolling can be a challenge at times but, you know, we, we move. I'm actually kind of excited to do this this episode about this topic. I sincerely enjoyed the book, and I, I can't really wait to get into it. So uh, I guess we'll just kind of roll with it, and we'll start here. Okay, so before I start breaking down the rules, I read 12 Rules for Life, An Antidote to Chaos by Jordan Peterson. If you guys don't know who Jordan Peterson is, he's a clinical psychologist and has done, I think, even a professor or at least has done lectures on uh, at some Canadian universities. He's from Canada and uh, he's wrote several books. And I'm, if you don't know who he is, I'm kind of surprised some of his stuff ends up across like Instagram and TikTok. He has some amazing quotes and some very interesting interviews and the stuff he breaks down is quite fascinating um 
I know like reading this book in particular, I kind of felt that way just because some of the stuff he used, like some of the rules, if you just like read the 12 rules on their own, they're fairly understandable in the sense of if that was it, you could kind of get some context and depth out of them. But the way he breaks it all down in the books is what makes it so fascinating because he takes each habit or each habit, sorry, <laughs> each rule and breaks it down and deconstructs de constructualizes it into like a, a more psychological breakdown and uses real life examples and um, just different examples he in certain rules he actually took pieces from the Bible and took stories and quotes and kind of broke it down onto a psychological basis to be used in comparison with these different um, different rules and even some like studies on certain things it, it, it was a fascinating book and I think every day I was kind of like I was curious to read it so like this one was not hard to get through it was kind of long but it was very interesting enough that it kept me hooked and I would a hundred percent recommend this book to anyone I do know he has a, another book that's, I think, called Beyond, I believe. And I think it's supposed to be an extra 12 rules. So, um, and I think that book is extremely old. And when he was talking about this, he originally took the these rules that he made that he wrote on... Uh, some messaging board, kind of like a Reddit of some sort where it's like answering life's questions kind of thing. And he had done some of these. And I think before he wrote this original book, I think he had about 40 rules to pick from. And slowly but surely, he narrowed it down to these 12. So I think because of the popularity of this book and people probably asking for more, he ended up deciding to create a sequel, I guess to extend the list so that that's definitely on my uh list of books to read i'm at six this year i should have started sooner considering i only basically started that list um almost like a month ago that's not terrible uh because i read like one book at the beginning of the year and then i'm kind of working my way through my goal was 50 i don't think i'm gonna hit 50 by the end of the year i think i'll be able to get a, a good number um but i still got a lot to read i i just bought several off of audible and i think i have like 10 books sitting behind me in my room right now that i need to read so um we'll see some of them i'm probably going to use for podcast topics some i will not some are just for personal learning or or uh desire or curiosity but okay let's get into it 12 rules of life rule one stand up straight with shoulders back so this one was probably the easiest one I feel like for a lot of people to understand he does break it down I was very surprised by how he broke it down in the book itself he brought up like studies of a crab 
um, culture and evolution and compared it to uh, people, compared it to humans and their hierarchy and dominance and where basically if someone loses in some way or another, it physically causes certain chemicals in the brain to be produced to make people sadder and kind of hit a, uh, I guess, a plateau in the sense of heading in a downward spiral, kind of, and how it's even shown with crabs that when that happens, when they have a loss against a rival, their posture's down, their heads are down, they're drooping, their claws are down, and then the victor of that is quite the opposite. So basically, it's like in this stance... And this exerts dominance and confidence to allow you to kind of take and leave a good impression on people you're around. Because if you are walking around slooped and with terrible posture and your shoulders are rolled over, you're not necessarily going to leave a good impression just off of look by wanting someone to possibly come over and talk to you and figure out who you are and kind of learn but also in the sense of not having any form of authority or confidence, you're less likely to have any social interaction in any sense between males, females, or anything. It just kind of gives you a bad appearance. And not only that, it uh, kind of it helps you, ex- it looks like you accept responsibility. And not only that, there has been studies to show that physical stature has been shown to affect mood. I've even seen some where specific power stances, which some would be kind of shoulders back, straight posture, like hands on your hips or certain things for guys or arms crossed, like there's been studies to show that doing a more confidence, demanding, dominant stance like that, that just placing your body in that physical position actually within a short amount of time, within minutes, can actually boost testosterone levels throughout your body and allow you to feel more confident and give you more serotonin and you feel good and it's kind of the same thing when you are droopy and this and that it just kind of affects your mood if you if you don't smile and you have a frown or make yourself frown or make sad faces it will affect your physical mood in the sense of you will start to become sad so it's all about kind of how you hold yourself has a big effect on your outlook to other people and can have a large effect on your own mental state as well. So that's kind of like a breakdown of the first rule, which I've tried to change because I know my posture and I did not do rule one at all in high school. I can say that right now. Rule number two, treat yourself like someone you are responsible for helping. So this one was very interesting. It was the one that I think caught my attention and how he broke it down and he used Genesis 1 from the Bible to kind of deconstruct everything into a psycho- like a, from a psychological basis, which I found fascinating and have never looked at it from that perspective before. But he kind of took some of the things that happened in the first books of the Bible and kind of placed it into a societal foundation of what made people us and kind of how how it affected us. Even if you take it as literal or metaphorical as, as a story of, of human uh, development, he broke it down as that and how 
these situations kind of show how certain things came out of human um, personality in a sense or uh, representation between male and female and kind of what set us up as um, a society in certain bases. But one, one of the things he talks about is that uh, people don't necessarily care for themselves and that's kind of been shown. It's, it's very likely and it's been shown in a lot of studies that it is hard for someone to take some sort of prescription that is prescribed by a doctor because that someone's dealing with some sort of pain or sickness or something like that it is hard for people to actually follow through either people don't take the prescriptions or they don't do it right on the amount or how when or how they take it and the likelihood of someone to take everything responsibly and take care of themselves as a person is very very unlikely but it's quite the opposite of if someone or if someone's pet, let's say, gets sick or hurt, someone will do absolutely what the vet says and does exactly what the doctor wants because there's some other form there where you want to be able to take care of something. And and part of that and, and that reasoning is where he went to the Bible in the sense of basically when we ate the fruit of life, or fruit of life, sorry, the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, he says that in that and in the story that was more the birth of human consciousness and we became self-aware and in that sense original sin wasn't that the the breakdown of what original sin would have been was more that we had the ability and choice over distinctly choosing between good and evil where an animal doesn't it's not necessarily bad for a tiger to go kill a dog or cat or some animal and eat it because it's just nature and it's something that as people we can accept because they don't know any better that's just how life is but we have some uh, sense of hatred to ourselves because we know that as a person we are capable of doing terrible things and because of that, we don't treat ourselves with the amount of respect and care that we should because we kind of want to punish ourselves for some deep psychological reasoning because we have the ability to do bad things to each other. You can purposely modify your the way you look or not look or act towards people to kind of get people in bad situations and, and manipulate and take take advantage of where an animal doesn't necessarily do that because they, they don't have that form of consciousness so it's something that's like deep down where it's like we know that we're capable of terrible things so it's hard to respect ourselves on the level of wanting to allow us to live longer and take care of ourselves and one of the things he says is part of it is that's a terrible way to look at it because it, the thing that's going to help others is if you're able to take care of yourself it allows you to be able to take care of others better so if you are healthy and you take care of yourself and live longer you're able to provide care and ability to help someone else so it it's a very negative outlook to kind of look at yourself or not take care of yourself properly so he kind of realizes is like if you don't have enough respect to 
follow doctor's orders to to work out to diet not to eat terrible not to do things and basically treat yourself like a pile of crap how are you supposed to be able to help someone else and and the hard thing it is that it's not an easy task it, this is meant to make like difficult it's not easy to do that and that's the whole thing but it's to be self-aware and to try to grow and develop and still do that in the sense of work towards that goal and he's he said it's not it's not the same as being nice to yourself it's more challenging than that it's you got to actually care for yourself and have some form of self-respect and for some people in some situations that's very hard to have i know i've been there and you gotta just slowly but surely work your way out of that and respect yourself as a person just as much you as you might respect another animal or another person that's you gotta reciprocate that on your own and have that form of like self-love in some way or another rule three which kind of relates with rule two in the sense of it's not it's to make your life more difficult is make friends with people who want the best for you and part of that is just being around specific environments can drag you down and that he brought up several situations that kind of relate to both rule two and three where you can develop positive feedback loops like with alcohol you keep drinking and the whole reason you drink is you want the original rush of the alcohol level spiking in your blood and then you keep drinking because you want to keep that level high you don't want to plateau you don't want to ride it out because you like that feeling of not being in control so you go harder and harder and you keep drinking until you finally have to start sobering up and then you go to sleep and then you wake up and people say the best medicine, quote unquote, the best medicine for a hangover is to drink. So you're curing your disease with the disease. So it's a positive feedback loop that just kind of keeps rotating and digging and digging a deeper hole. And it's the same with a lot of things. If you don't get out and realize the environment you're in and try to work your way up, you're not going to be able to do that. So you got to be self-aware and of, of the environment and the people you're around. I think everybody at this point has seen has seen like the quote that the you're the average of the five people you hang around with the most. So it's like you got to put yourself in the right environment because the friends that you're around are what's going to bring you up or down and it can go either way. You think that bringing someone lower into your life is you're going to help them. And in our reality, most of the time, and there's actually been studies to show this, that psychologically and bet between habits and stuff like that, trying to help someone that's lower on the totem pole in some form or another with terrible habits or bad work ethic or this and that, trying to help someone like that when you're already good at it can actually drag you down instead of bringing them up. So you want to keep pushing your way up. The friends you have can have an amazing impact on who you are and who you can become and and part of the reason why it's so difficult is if you're around friends that want the best for you it means that they get to demand the best from you 
So it doesn't make life easy. It makes life more difficult because you have to actually go out and prove yourself. You can't just become a slob because if you have good people around you, they're going to keep pushing you to do better. And that's part of the thing with human psychology and like wanting to have that form of competition. That's part of it. If you're around other people that have amazing habits or working out every day or uh, businessmen or making a bunch of money or doing this and that or salesmen or something along those lines, entrepreneurs, and they're obviously putting in overtime or doing this and working really hard to provide for their family or this and that or try to bring themselves into a higher level, you're going to want to do the same. So it's it's just like you got to find that right form of feedback loop and not dig yourself down and slowly work yourself up. All right, so I feel like that was a good breakdown. <laughs> I don't want to get on a rant on any of these too well. I know I'm not a psychologist, but I'm trying to break it down as best as I can. And I feel like this book is kind of amazing because some of it is so simple, but it also relates to so many other things in life between like habits and other stuff I've talked about on the podcast and stuff I've tried doing myself. But at the same time, this book was able to kind of open my eyes to, to stuff a little more. And I feel like part of it was because I've already kind of looked up to this person as an author and his work that reading this book and having him be able to break down some of this stuff was an amazing amount of information. I think on Audible is like 15 hours or so of reading it was so worth it and I can't read to read his other books but rule four compare yourself to who you were yesterday not to who someone else is today and I know that I am a hundred percent guilty of this and I have I I've seen it within the past couple months and I feel like reading this book opened my eyes and a few other things within the past month or two has kind of woken me up to my own self-doubt and criticism because it, it, it's become a, a, a negative result. I kind of, I started digging myself my own hole. And part of it was because I would look up to people that um, have done so much in their life and I'd be comparing myself to people to where they are and where I am for no good reason and I've seen seen certain things kind of help dig me out between this and uh, I'll say Gary V's content some of his stuff is really cool because some of the things I compare myself for some reason I, I feel like I got to be successful and I feel like in my own right I have been successful for someone my age but for some reason in the back of my mind I feel like I should be somewhere else but I'm also comparing myself to people that are possibly, depending on who I'm talking about, 7, 10, 20, 30 years older than me that have been able to do some amazing things. And part of that is just because they've had the time to work on something for almost a decade possibly and they've been working on it and they've been able to build a network and do this and that. Where it's like for me... I haven't. I'm still trying to find my niche. I'm still trying to find the stuff I want to be in. And I haven't necessarily done anything like that for a long amount of time. So it's like you got to have consistency and stay in something for a while to actually see it build, which I haven't. I'm comparing myself to people that's had more time, experience, and 
And it's like, how can I compare myself? I'm still young. I st- I've, I've only been out of school for three years. And I've been able to do a lot in that amount of time. But some of these people are so farther along in their journey. To compare myself, it it's not a benefit. Because I can't compare myself to those people. They've lived their own lives. They've had their own situations and their own struggles to get where they are. I'm dealing with my own stuff and I got to learn to grow and adapt in that own sense. So the thing that's bad about it is being envious can only bring you down in the long run. And I realized that. And that was something I had to become self-aware of. And not only that, but it's better for you to like slowly make yourself better than just to compare yourself with others like some this rule in particular kind of relates back to the power of habit and what he says in this book is part of it is like you just need to not necessarily focus on what everybody else is doing but focus on what you can do to slowly make yourself better day by day and it's kind of the same principles of uh, atomic habits it's like just doing the little things to slowly better yourself every day by one percent over time that one percent is going to compound and within 72 weeks you're going to be 200 percent better than you were before and that's kind of what i'm starting to realize more and more that i just slowly got to make the right steps to work towards the direction i want to go to slowly but surely work my way there I can't compare myself to people that are on a mountain way higher than me. I can't compare myself because I'm just now at the bottom level of that mountain. And I got to slowly but surely work my way up that incline to hopefully get to that point in the long run. But some people start higher up on the mountain than others. And it's just the fact of life. So it's it's better to aim, to aim up than it is to compare compare yourself to others but to also work towards it it's good to aim up but you want to work towards it slowly but surely not necessarily to aim up and then compare yourself to who's above it's just you want to keep working your way up not necessarily compare yourself to those people rule number five do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them now before I got to this chapter, I did see this rule and I was kind of confused because I was like, what exactly does he mean by this? I have a rough understanding, but I was also still very confused. And once I got to it, it did make a lot of sense when he was able to break it down. He used his own life experiences with his own kids and other kids he had been around and as he got into it, I kind of recognized my own life in this way and in certain ways and how I've seen some of these things and other children I've been around through my life and how certain parents handle it. But it's basically, a, it's it's like between this, it's like, are you going to be a per- permissive parent or an authoritarian parent? It's not good to be either because both can lead to a socially stunted kid. Because if you're super permissive and just allow your kid to do anything, that's not great because there's no there's no friction. You're, you're not supposed to be your kid's friend, and that's something he talks about as being something that's very common nowadays. You're supposed to lead and guide your children to become responsible human beings. 
And if you're super authoritative, I don't even know if that's a word, but I just said it. You know what I mean? It's not good as well because you don't allow that kid to actually grow and develop because you just kind of take control. So it can allow a socially stunted kid because maybe you don't allow them to go and experience certain things that they need to and a lack of some sort of social interaction. And he basically says, if you don't like your kids, no one else is going to. So part of it is if there's things that you're noticing that your kid is doing that you don't enjoy, that means other kids aren't going to enjoy being around them. Other adults aren't going to enjoy being around them. And it's going to slowly but surely hurt their social life and their social development where when when they become adults, they're going to have different problems to deal with because they're not going to be good at dealing with social interaction. Like, And part of the things he talks about in this situation was not allowing certain behaviors that you don't like to slowly build, to try to combat them as a parent sooner than later because if you allow them to keep progressing and building it's going to be a lot harder to change the progress it has already made so you kind of want to stop it as soon as you possibly can like if your kid won't share with other children or if your kid won't eat or if your kid won't act right in public there's some reason behind it and if you don't if you're embarrassed by the way your kid acts that's not a good thing that means you're doing something wrong and some of the stuff he talks about is even between parents is you got to combat it as a team. I know I'm not I'm not a parent. I'm not. But I have seen a lot of the stuff he's talked about in my own life being around certain children and families. It's like, "Oh, no, I kind of I kind of see what he's talking about. I see where this can relate." And how you got to come at it as a team if both parents aren't aren't involved in the same thing or one doesn't do the same amount of effort, it's going to throw it off. You got to work at it as a partner but it's just a bad idea to allow children to act in ways that other children will dislike because if they do they're not going to build friends they're not going to develop that social mind and like learn to communicate not necessarily physically communicate but in the sense of social contracts and like working your way up through life it's it's something that's very very important for a child to develop so to not allow them that beginning steps to build a good foundation like you're supposed to as a parent to provide you're setting your kids up for like a a more challenging existence later on like your primary responsibility as a parent and this is what he says but i i I do agree at one point and I I even see the faults and maybe how I was raised in certain things nothing against my parents they did the best they could but at the same time seeing this it's like oh yeah okay I see and I know I'm better off than a lot but I, I see where it comes from and he says that the primary responsibility is to help your children behave so that the social world opens their arms to them because if your children behave that means the the social interactions with everyone's going to be better so they're more likely to be around adults they're more likely to listen and learn and and grow from situations just from their overall behavior because people will want to be around them we all know those kids that every adult and even other kids recognize it where there's just some children you don't want to be around because some adult 
or every adult, even the parents might realize it, but it's because the parents won't do anything to change it that no one necessarily enjoys being around that child. And that's not a good thing for that kid. It's like, yeah, it's annoying to the person that's around him at that moment, but in the long run, it's going to be to the detriment of the kid, not everyone else. And that's why he says you need to basically, if, if there's some issue that you have with how your kid's reacting, you need to fix it because that means it's going to have larger consequences later on in that child's life. Now on to rule number six. Set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. So what exactly does he mean by that? Um, I guess the best way to put this one and kind of break it down is stop doing things that are bad for you. Because if you criticize and I'm a hypocrite in your own right, it's hard for you to then criticize the world if you're not able to change stuff you're dealing with. So if you have bad habits, if you're doing this and you're you're not necessarily just like kind of leading back to rule two, if you're not taking care of things that you should be in the present moment, there's not necessarily a reason or there, I mean, there is, but there's not necessarily a place for you to criticize the whole world if you can't even affect change in your own life. And so it's like, it's like, that you're not taking like no act for others until you have your act together like it's not that I kind of worded that wrong I typed that out badly I'm sorry but it's basically like it's not saying not to act for others until you have your act together like you, you can still do that but it's you got to basically recognize your own situations and and work on them so it's like be humble and work on something that is right in front of you before you then take that to a large-scale transformation of other people so I feel like this book has actually helped me because I mean that's something I want to hopefully do is to have an impact and effect on other people's lives through this podcast possibly through the conversations I have with people on a change in perspective or at least getting a different perspective on something on life or even with doing a podcast let's say like this to be able to bring information that you didn't know about like maybe someone listens to this doesn't know about this book and doesn't know these rules and by doing this and breaking it down it at least gives you the interest in possibly looking into it yourself and having a change on your own life so, I mean, I know that I have not necessarily worked on some of this stuff right in front of my, like, right in front of me before doing this. Now, since I've started, I have, since I've started this podcast, I have worked on stuff right in front of me and stuff that I've been dealing with personally over that time. So, I, I have been able to hopefully grow and I, I guess I try to be humble because I know that I've had humble beginnings when it comes to a lot of a lot of stuff. I, I've like I could definitely say I've had a glow up. I know in high school I did not look good. I know I was, I was not necessarily a super good looking kid. I was cute when I was young, but I I got rid of that a little too quick, sadly. 
and so by I'm I'm humbled because it's like just now from me actually taking responsibility for myself and getting to the gym and dieting and doing different things and being responsible for my own actions I have then allowed myself to be better so it's it everybody comes from and has a different starting point but you gotta do something to then affect your your journey and hopefully a positive way to work towards stuff you want to do to have an impact on other people rule seven pursue what is meaningful not what is expended expand yeah expended i felt like i was gonna pronounce that wrong i think i pronounced it correctly but part of it is it's basically saying that life isn't always fair and happy and you got to basically work your way through that and realize that and keep working on stuff that's meaningful because if you don't you you're gonna kind of fall apart not to necessarily chase after what is to do to do what is meaningful not to chase after something that's fun and easy like he talks about how some people are always like oh life's short go do this it's, oh yeah it's good to go do this get experiences do that and it's like it even says it at one point it's like it's not necessarily that that's a bad thing but if you're not actually working towards something that is meaningful in your life or someone else's and you're just chasing pleasure and other forms of i guess uh uh recognition or some sort of positive feedback in society by chasing something that doesn't actually have any meaningful pursuit in your life you've messed up so if you're just chasing after certain things because someone has said that like oh yeah money's important or they they family friends this and that kind of push you in a certain direction but you don't have to go you don't actually go after what's meaningful and something you want to do you're not living life the way you should like don't be necessarily pushed by some sort of outside influence if it's something you don't necessarily want to do societal standards aren't set in stone and it's not the same for everybody so part of it is you got to figure out your own meaning to what's important to you and to work towards that and and you just got to kind of find that and head in the right direction and not follow societal rules all the time and rule eight kind of works with rule seven in the sense of this is rule eight we'll kind of talk about it but rule eight tell the truth or at least don't lie i have personally tried to do this for the majority of my life and i guess i can thank my parents for this one a hundred percent because i realized at a fairly young age that it was better for me to own up to whatever situation i had fucked up on because the consequences will be less than me trying to deny and lie my way out of it because if i get caught down the road the consequences are going to be harsher so 
luckily this is actually a rule I've kind of abided by for a long time and kind of in the sense of what he says I don't always necessarily state the truth outright but I at least won't say a lie and I kind of work around something because there are times you don't necessarily want to tell people certain things because you are worried about making them feel bad and I've been there but even some of the stuff he says is sometimes it is better for you to be more upfront and blunt and honest than it is for you to try smoothing stuff over to not make people feel bad. And so you got to kind of have that happy median and there's going to be consequences or you're going to have an effect on someone either way. But would you rather be honest and have a clear conscience or try to piddle your way through and lightly step on these twigs because you don't want to piss someone off so part of it is just like personal truths of experiences so it's like you you gotta follow your own personal truth that whatever's true for you might not necessarily be the same as someone else like you might think 70 degrees is warm someone else might think 70 degrees is cold so truth is all in the matter of the person and perspective but you, you should still kind of follow that not only that accurate descriptions and understanding of reality if you're not truthful it's going to be hard to even understand things accurately around you so it's very important to also have keep keeping of promises and contracts if you don't follow through and tell the truth or you lie it's just going to make your life more difficult in trying to work your way through something and help someone or just in everyday like life situations or big events or like everybody's seen that movie where someone's uh, in some form or another character is a terrible liar they lie about everything and it basically just compounds over time good habits and bad habits can compound and at that point it's like what would you rather have good habits and clear conscience for telling the truth or lying and slowly but surely building up to a climactic fall where eventually it's going to catch up with you and so he says you can't pursue what is meaningful if you can't tell the truth if you can't tell the truth you can't pursue your own personal meaning and when he said that I was kind of not blown away necessarily but I was like okay I've never looked at it that way but that's that actually is very accurate so that's why rule seven and eight do kind of link up because it, it gives you that perspective and if you lie you corrupt your own own conception of yourself you you corrupt your conception of who you are and if you lie and you can't understand who you are as a person, it's just a downhill spiral. And you gotta you gotta own who you are. Like part of it is I'm not a fan of labels. That's why when it comes to like political stuff, I love talking about it, but I don't necessarily try falling either way. I don't like falling into some sort of label, which sadly nowadays everybody does, label and being polarized and super tribal about stuff it's just I don't like that because it's like I'm I am who I am and that's just me so it's like I'm gonna be truthful about how I kind of see things or how I understand them and how I believe them and that's just who I am I can't say that is wrong you 
some people are going to disagree with your opinions, but as long as you're true to yourself, it's, it's better as well. It's not only being true to other people, but it's being true to your own being. Rule nine, assume the person you're listening to knows something you don't. I can definitely say, and several people that might listen to this will 100% agree that I don't always do this. <laughs> and it's not, I mean, it is my fault, but it is almost genetic. But this is to help keep yourself honest and not ignorant. And it, it's very true. The truth will be found without pursuing or without pushing your beliefs upon others. So part of that is, you know, if something you believe in is true, in fact, eventually it will just kind of come out. And you, if you're trying to push it onto someone else or s something you believe or, or something you feel like you know, and in all reality, if it comes out that you're wrong, it's going to, it's going to be bad. So it's, or you're going to have some form of consequences. It's not going to look good on you. So you don't necessarily want to push your own opinion. Sometimes you want to step back and listen. And it's a way to kind of keep yourself humble. And and it's a remark of your own ignorance. I know that I've been there and I felt that. And part of it, it in this chapter, he talked about how, as a psychologist, how you got to understand how to listen. And there's different ways. Because you can listen to someone and still not fully be in the conversation because you can be thinking about other things or other stuff you want to talk about or other things to bring up. And if you're doing that, that means you're not truly listening. And if you truly listen, you follow the topics. So you're less likely to necessarily try to berate or be arrogant about some sort of uh, conversation or topic, which I know I'm fully um, aware that I have done. So, I, I mean, I, I'm learning, <laughs> but it's very true, and, and there's a lot that we don't know, like not saying in general as humanity, but every person has so much information you don't know about, and some stuff is through life experience that you learn from other people, some stuff is just being wrong about certain things. And I feel like that's why I love conversations and that's one reason why I love podcasts is I love to listen and hear other people's perspectives on things because it does allow me to hopefully listen and learn something from someone else that I did not currently know. And because in that sense, everybody knows something that you don't like at least one thing, if not a lot, just from their own life experiences. So I love to have that opportunity to kind of better myself by learning to l learning about something they're talking about by listening. And I know on a personal note, I need to get better at, at that, but it is it is good to listen. And one thing that Jordan Peterson says if is that if you believe things in your life could be different or better, it means that there's stuff you don't know yet. And it's more important than what you do know and that you should be paying attention to find out what you don't know because if your life is perfect in every way yeah I guess you don't have a reason to learn anything else or listen to anyone else because you've gotten to the point where everything's amazing for you 
But if there's something not right in your life and there's something you want to develop and grow, open your ears, listen to other people, pay attention and find out things you don't already know because it's only going to grow and develop you hopefully in the direction that makes your life better. So, I mean, that's one thing I'm trying to do more now in the sense of just trying to read more and listen to certain podcasts and try taking in people's perspectives to hopefully construct a better view on life and knowledge and things I can do for myself to build off of over the next, possibly depending on how lucky I am, let's maybe say a max, possibly another 80 years to this life. And... I have a lot of time so it's like I want to try taking in as much as that as I can because I only got time at this point rule 10 be precise in your speech I don't always do this so this is one of the rules I didn't need to work on but I feel like most people do have an understanding for what you're talking about at that moment. Truly listen and don't bounce around in your own head to make your point. So, I mean, this kind of falls back to the other rule between listening and precise speech, but it's very, very similar between rule 9 and 10 or at least certain similar similar traits. Being, being able to describe what you don't understand or what makes you unhappy in an un or what the sorry i suck at typing i really do i'm so sorry i suck at reading but uh, to be able to describe what you don't understand or what makes you unhappy and unproductive is the first step in improving your situation so if you're able to pinpoint and be precise and what what isn't working it allows you to then build off of that like part of part of grieving or growing is to then actually accept and understand what you've been doing wrong to then change that and have the ability to change and grow one of the things he talks about that's very similar in, in the bible and i think in genesis that he says is asking you will receive if you don't say certain things you're not precise in your speech or certain things that you're doing you're never going to be able to figure something out. You don't get what you don't aim at. You might get what you do aim at. So if you at least try pushing in that direction and heading towards something, you might not always hit it, but you're, it's better than not even taking aim. And so doing that just allows you to then work your way in that direction that it gives you a more precise aim of something to work towards or something you're talking about where it's better for you to build off of and learn you're not living up to your own potential and if if your parents tell you that that's that's a good thing because it's almost a compliment because it means oh it is a compliment because it means they know that you can do better for yourself and part of that is the self-recognition of being precise and working your way up and this just kind of allows you to realize your own, I guess, failures and faults. That if someone would tell you that, that's a good thing because most people say that. Or not say that, but that's true for most people. Where someone has the potential to do better, but because they're not being precise in what they're working towards or talking about or what, like trying to learn from people, even in conversations. If you can't be 
precise in your conversations with someone, you might not be able to build information from that conversation of something that could be useful to you. So that's part of it as well. Rule 11, don't bother children when they are skateboarding. Part of this is don't over shelter your children. Letting your kids get a dose of life always allows them to handle their own fear and, and learn from pain and fear. If you want to encourage your kids, it's better for you to encourage your kids than to shelter them. Encouragement is what he talks about in this whole thing. It's it's about it's another like parenting one, where it's not necessarily pushing your kids in a specific direction, but it's like if you at least encourage them and don't shelter them and hide them from the world, it allows them to understand how the world really works and allows them to be more dependent hopefully when they grow up so it's one of the things he talks about is that like reality like the world in general is a very hard place but they might not be able to take on the world if you don't allow them to go do stuff and skateboarding is the example by going and skateboarding and being in the real world and overcoming challenges and pain and fear and doing things that they're scared of or not not knowing what to do or how to do it and just having to realize that the only way to do it is to keep doing it until you get it right over and over again and some things I've never skateboarded (laughs) maybe I should have but I've seen that like it's a process that allowing that just makes your child more adapt to taking on the world because they've already dealt with small challenges as a child that even even challenges for a kid can be monumental, although to an adult might seem like nothing. It, it at least develops them and allows them to learn to then better handle situations as an adult. Children need to voluntarily expose themselves to risks. This allows them to grow and become independent. And he says, do not do anything for anyone that they can do for themselves and that's something that that's a rule in like nursing homes because that's very true if you start doing things that someone else can do for themselves you're taking something away from them you're taking away part of their life and their being and stuff that they can do and it's kind of the same thing as if you baby a kid if you don't allow a child to learn and do stuff that they are 100% capable of they're not able to even learn their own abilities because, yeah, there's some stuff they might not be able to do. But they got to figure that out on their own. You can't keep them from the world. Because if you do that at a young age, it's going to set them up for a, a very difficult existence later on in life. I guess rule 12, the final rule. Pet a cat when you encounter one on the street. And I guess... The biggest thing for this and the stuff he'd use this for was uh, basically with his own situations with his daughter and having to deal with surgery at a young age and deal with certain things. If you read the book, you'll learn about that. I'm not going to go into that necessarily. A part of it is just to learn to basically be present in the moment, appreciate the little things. 
and in the way he says that is basically like when the world is out of control because of possible personal suffering or death in the family or or stuff going on with work or just crisis in your own personal life is good to be able to appreciate things that you can manifest itself to be appreciated if you don't appreciate the small things that come up and kind of set yourself in the present moment it's it can raise your spirits and it can just allow you to keep pushing so in the sense of your world might be crazy and chaotic but if you're able to pet that dog or cat or whatever on the street and enjoy that moment of bliss and joy it's going to help you like you gotta you can't always live in the future or the past or or anything along those lines and I know that's something I've dealt with personally as well where I feel like when I was in high school I didn't live in the moment much where now I, I try to do that a lot more than I used to 100% and just to be there and take in what's around me and be with the people I love and family and friends and just kind of enjoy the time in that moment and not necessarily be thinking about things in the future when it comes to work or personal stuff or or living in the past you you got to be able to take what you have and live with it and kind of learn from it and appreciate what you do have you got to be grateful for where where you are and hope that eventually it will will work its way into something better and and it's something that I think everybody struggles with at times and you just got to learn to slowly but surely get better at it and you got to recognize it in yourself and be self-aware to make those changes and I feel like that's where this book is grateful because it kind of calls people out on their own shit at one point with certain things. And it kind of makes you open your eyes and realize where in my life am I lacking? Where could I be doing better to actually do the things I want? And that's kind of some of the main things I took out of it. These rules are amazing and it, it can help set up an amazing foundation for uh, I feel like a more enjoyable or a more fulfilling life and I've I definitely encourage anyone to read this because it was kind it was fascinating and I can't wait to read I guess the the sequel and I will probably talk about it um, whenever I do read it but I do hope you guys have enjoyed this. Hopefully I didn't go on too many rants. I hope that you were actually able to take some of this information from this podcast and and put it into your own life. Or I hope that this podcast at least encouraged you to go out and read this book on your own. To get the full in-depth story and breakdown of the book. And really get the message behind it. Because it was quite amazing. And I've always been fascinated with Jordan Peterson's work and the stuff he does. So being able to read this and learn from his points of views and his own experiences is quite amazing. But I, I, I do hope you guys enjoyed. And uh, 
at this moment, I have no idea what's going to be happening over the next couple of weeks when it comes to the podcast, or at least topic-wise. I haven't planned that far ahead, so we are just kind of rolling, and we'll see what happens. But I do hope you guys enjoyed. Keep an eye out for any new videos on YouTube or pictures or stuff on Instagram. Please subscribe, follow, and comment. 